All right, I am a grateful believer in Jesus, and I struggle with selfishness, fear, and pride, and my name's Julie. So hopefully you received a notes page when you came in at the top that has principle one um, listed, and that uh, principle will have on the slide here, and it says that I realize I am not God. I admit that I am powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong thing and that my life is unmanageable. And the verse that goes with that is Matthew 5, 3, happy are those who know they are spiritually poor. And so at the top of that page, you'll see that um, principle, also step one that goes along with our 12 steps, and also lesson two, powerless, that goes along with our step study, if you are in step study. So follow along with your notes, and if you don't have one of those, um, raise your hand, and our ushers will come and bring one to you. So keep your hands up, and while they're doing that, I'm going to tell you a little story. Okay, so has anyone ever lived with someone who takes really, really long showers? Okay, and so you take, they take this really long shower, and then it's your turn, and you come in behind them, and then you get in the shower, and then what happens halfway through your shower? Oh, my gosh. Yes, you run out of hot water. So I have, Dave and I have two boys, and as a mom with control issues, that would be me. I was um, a mess about this when they would get in the shower. So I was the mom that put the timer in there and it was dinging and then I'm banging on the door, get out of the shower, the water. And so, and I would have a schedule like you need to do yours at night so we can do ours in the daytime. And so I was a little bit of a control about that. Um, but when they got to become teenagers and you know, woo, shower, please. We, uh, <laughs> we, <laughs> We needed to do something. So we decided to upgrade our water tank to one where we had unlimited hot water. Okay, so we got a tankless water heater. Oh, my goodness. My boys loved this. So did we. And my youngest son in particular loved this. And he found that uh, if, if he waited until we all went to bed, he could take these, you know, incredibly long showers. And we're not really aware. So after we all went to bed, he would take these big 45-minute hot, steaming shower just everywhere. And he loved it. And what would happen is, though, he would open the bathroom door and the steam literally would billow out into the hallway and just fill the hallway. But, and that's, you know, I guess, fine. But our fire alarm sensor was right there in the hall. And so we're asleep and the fire alarm, this is frequent, fire alarm goes off, bam, we're raising up our heads, sitting up, running out into the hall. And we have this skinny, wet teenage kid with a towel around his waist, punching in the code to turn off the alarm, you know, the phone's ringing because the alarm company's calling, and he has to punch in the code over and over and over because it turns it off, but then it comes back on because the stuff is still up there billowing around the steam, his brother's yelling at him. Okay, that's my family. <laughs> so while my water bill escalated, and our fire alarm uh, got exercised, I never had a cold shower again. So I will say that my old water tank, that old 40-gallon standard water tank, is like my life. The power of it appears to be sufficient to meet my needs until it doesn't. Because my needs are more than what it can do. And that is actually the definition of poor, when I don't have enough to meet my basic needs. 
poor. So what do you do when you're poor? What do you do when you're poor? When you do not have enough to make ends meet. You ever been there? Borrow maybe from someone. Scrape something together from wherever you can find it. Eat beans and peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Maybe you take turns not paying something, you know, going around. Have you ever filled up your gas tank with just five bucks or maybe 10 bucks just to come back in a few days and have to do it again and then to do it again and to do it again because you don't have enough, right? Barely scraping by, surviving today, but not able to go anywhere of significance. Here at CR, we are all about going somewhere of significance. That is why we are here. So where is the somewhere of significance that you need God to take you? Is it freedom from an addictive behavior? Is it letting go of something that eats you alive? Is it calming the rage that burns inside of you? Is it crawling out of depression and isolation? Is it forgiving hurtful people? Maybe it's setting boundaries or loving yourself. Maybe you see other people having enthusiasm about God that you wish you had. Maybe you just need to change the way you relate to people across the board. Only God can take us somewhere of significance. I am poor. God is rich. I do not have enough power to overcome my spiritual poverty for real. The power that I bring to the table is like my 40-gallon water tank. It always runs out. But happy are those who know they are spiritually poor. Now, this verse does not say happy are those who are spiritually poor, right? Spiritual poverty is a given. So who are the happy ones? The ones who know they are spiritually poor. But power is possible. And spiritually poor is another word for powerless. But power is possible. God has given us a character in scripture who demonstrates this so well. He has both no power and full power at the exact same time. All right, so we're gonna look at his story. I'm gonna show you what this looks like in our lives. Samson was a man who lived about a thousand years before Jesus came on the scene. And he was marked from birth to help Israel escape the nation that was oppressing them at the time. You can read about his story starting in Judges 13. God gave Samson physical strength like no one before or since. He had full power, physical full power. So here are some examples. One time a lion rushed at him and attacked him on the road. Scripture says that the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him so that he tore the jaws of the lion open, wide open, right on the road with his bare hands. So next, think of a, okay, a Lord of the Rings style medieval castle with the drawbridge and the huge wooden gate and the thick thick wooden doors and the big iron bars and the battering ram that has to knock it down, right? Okay, so we have that kind of gate. 
the scripture says the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon Samson and he took a hold of the doors, ripped them out with his hands, put it on his shoulder like a bag of potatoes and walked up the hill and threw it on the ground. Another thing Samson did was once he was bound by his enemies, he was uh, arrested of sorts, and he was bound with two new ropes and taken captive. And it says, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him, and the ropes on his arm became like burned flax, which is like a plant, just burned right off. And then it says he saw a fresh jawbone of a donkey, a fresh one, yay, hairy and gross, and he picked it up and he struck down a thousand men with the jawbone of a donkey. That's the power that he had. His enemies were perplexed at how to capture him. <clears throat> they went to his lover and, and said, entice Samson to tell us what makes him so strong and how he can be overpowered. Wow. Wow. Is the enemy saying that about you? What makes her so strong? And how can I possibly overpower him? God gave Samson this power and told him he would continue to have it as long as he never cut his hair. Wow, what a gift. But God promises to give us this kind of power in our lives, a power against temptations, a power against weaknesses that is unexplainable to others. He promises this to us. But at the same time, Samson had all of that power in his body. He was so incredibly and completely powerless. His character was a dumpster fire. He was a shameless sex addict who lied and manipulated everyone. He used women and tossed them aside like garbage. He was furious all the time and constantly wanted revenge on anyone he didn't like, and he murdered people on a whim. He was miserable. He had no one who loved him or had a real relationship with him. And he was intoxicated by pleasure and rage and what his physical strength could do, and it consumed him. We have a whole lesson in step study that shows us how powerlessness plays out in our lives and where it takes us. You can see that acrostic on the front of your notes. Samson had a zero-gallon water tank, clearly an extreme example. But the point isn't how large or how small his character reserves were, it's what happened when they ran out because that's where we can relate because they always run out. All right, if an Olympic athlete and I <clears throat> decided to jump across the Grand Canyon, like this long jumper, right? Bam, woo, they may jump really far, way farther than me, way out there, but where do we both end up? At the bottom, dead, both of us. I am powerless to jump across the Grand Canyon of my character defects. God must fill in the chasm of that gap if I am to go anywhere of significance. And this is different 
than salvation. This is different than God saving us. Salvation, being saved by God, is being in relationship with God, being forgiven by him forever, knowing that I need it. And he doesn't take that forgiveness from us. And the culmination of being saved is the promise of heaven. Salvation keeps you from dying at the bottom of the Grand Canyon, but it does not keep you from falling. The power of God is the only thing that keeps you from doing that. 1 Corinthians 10, 12 says, if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. So let's say that a few different ways. Number one, don't rely on your Bible studies, your wisdom, your blessings, or anything else you bring to the table because they are not strong enough to hold you up against your character defects. Another way to say this is if you are standing on yourself, you are either falling right now or you are going to fall any minute. It reminds me of those rickety bridges and those Indiana Jones movies that they walk across with the ropes and the boards that are all weathered and you can see them and they crack when you step on them, right? Change tactics now because that is not going to hold you. All right, that's great, Julie. Awesome. So how do I actually do that? Right? Don't tell me to just read my Bible and pray and then all this power will just come onto my lap. Right? Okay. I'm not going to tell you that. This is the answer I have for you. Keep coming back. Keep coming. Keep coming back here because you will see it. You will find it. We will spend every single lesson for the rest of the year delving into how to find God's power. And we will tackle it one slice at a time, one principle at a time. Principles one through three will show us how to find power by looking upward. Principle four, we'll find power by looking backward. Principle five through seven, we'll find power by looking inward. And principle eight, we will find power by looking forward. If you keep coming back, you will find it. You will hear stories and stories of God's power in other people's lives. You will learn about power that comes with facing the hardness of your past. You will learn about finding power to forgive and to apologize. And we will show you how this power isn't just for the one major huge thing in your life. It is for your entire life. Keep coming back because power is possible. And it comes to the prepared. So prepare. Prepare tonight to stay for open share so you can hear the struggles and the power in others. Prepare to stay for dessert so you can meet someone who will help you in your journey. Prepare to call your sponsor this week and ask them to pray for you about something. Prepare to hear from God this week in your mind by initiating the conversation. Prepare to come back next Friday and hear Erin's story of power happening in her life and the somewhere significant that God took her. Power is possible. And you know what? If you keep coming back, you will have more power next Friday than you did this one.
because God will start helping you see things. He will open your eyes. He will change your attitude. He will strengthen you to reach out for support. He will talk to your spirit, and he will give you comfort from surprising places and sometimes from seemingly nowhere. He will. So in Jesus' day, a thousand years after our Samson story, there was once a crowd around him so large, it says they were pressing in on him from all sides. He was real popular. So that he could barely move, walking down the street. And a woman reaching out, reaching out for him, barely touched the side of his clothes, of his robe. And when she touched his robe, she was immediately healed of her bleeding disorder. And Jesus stopped immediately, walking on the street with everyone touching him. And he said, who touched me? I felt power leave from me. And his followers were like, mm, everybody's touching you. I don't know what you're talking about. Do you know what stands out to me in this story? It isn't the woman. It's the crowd who were pressing in on him from every side, but drew no power from him. How are you wasting your access to Jesus right now, drawing no power from him? Because you are relying on yourself, failing to admit your powerlessness. Samson's life. Samson's life was tragic. The one blessing he had, his physical power, he ended up losing. But... On the last day of his life, Samson finally admitted that he was spiritually poor. By then, he'd been in prison for a while. He was powerless, and he'd had his eyes taken out. Scripture says that on that last day, he prayed. It is the only time in that Scripture records that Samson ever prayed. And he asked God to remember him, to strengthen him one final time so he could fulfill the reason that he was born, to destroy Israel's enemy. And God honored his humility. And Samson killed more enemies that day than he had in the sum of his entire life. And he died doing it. This is what God does with us. His spirit comes powerfully upon us when we know we are spiritually poor. And he gives us strength to defeat our struggles. One of my struggles is being controlling. <clears throat> Since being in recovery, I have had so many victories in this area. I cannot even count them. Thank you, Jesus. But I am still spiritually poor. Dave and I were making Christmas cookies last month, and it was kind of this all-evening project. We were making a whole bunch of them, so it was kind of a big deal, we, you know, a long time. And old patterns in me began to emerge. I thought I knew uh, the best way to do the assembly line and where to put the cooling racks and how many pans we'd need and how to use the fewest amount of measuring scoops and all that. Just, I, we had to do it just my way. Right, And when Dave didn't understand my system and what I was doing, and he was doing it, and I thought, that's not the right way. What are you doing? I, and I was correcting him and telling him how to fix it. 
But at the end, we, we survived. We had cookies, and they smelled good. And so at the end, after we're eating a warm cookie, I asked him, you think I was a little controlling when we were doing the cookies? And he laughed. <laughs> and he smiled. And he looked right in my eyes. And he said, a little bit. I am powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong thing. But I do see it sooner than I used to. So when you are spiritually poor and you draw from God's richness, here are some examples of what that might look like in your life. So maybe this is you and where you are. My day was overwhelming at work and my mind was racing and I knew there was a liquor store on my way home. And I just wanted to tune out my thoughts so much. But I got my 30-day chip just last week. Then the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon me. And I turned the car and went a different direction home. And then called my sponsor. Maybe this is you. My spouse is always on my back about something. And yesterday I got fed up, screamed some unmentionables and slammed the door. After I calmed down, I felt bad for what I'd said, but I was still angry. And I decided to talk to God about that anger. And then the spirit of the Lord decided it came powerfully upon me and helped me to have compassion and the strength to apologize at dinner. Maybe this is you. I was hurting really bad, and all I wanted to do was withdraw to my room, turn off the lights, and sleep until it all went away. But I knew it wouldn't happen that way, and that isolating doesn't fix it. Then the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon me and gave me the motivation to get up and come on Friday night so I can share my hurt with safe people. God is offering to give you an overwhelming amount of power so that it billows out of you and sets off the enemy's fire alarm. Power is possible. So I'm going to invite the band back up while I come down to the front. And our huggers can come down. Power comes to their prepared. So how you, will you prepare tomorrow morning to have more power tomorrow afternoon? How will you prepare yourself this year to have more power next year? My brother says that God transforms us like he heals a headache. You're not really sure when it went away. You just know that at some point it's changed. And now it's different. It is a process. So in what situation do you need to acknowledge that you are spiritually poor? And will you agree to stop scraping by in your own spiritual poverty and let the richest person around strengthen you? That's what these blue chips are for. It is a marker of something that you are surrendering. It is saying, I know that I am spiritually poor and I need you. 
if God brought something to your mind while I was talking, please come down, surrender that, and take a blue chip. Men take from men, and women take from women, and as always, the prayer altar is open.